Hey guys, welcome to Wisdom's Echo. This is Stephen McKee. And today I want to speak about fire. The fire, the baptism of fire. And the purpose of fire. And let me just start from a scripture that everybody knows. Acts 2. But I'm reading it from the Passion Translation. And it says this. On the day Pentecost was being fulfilled... All the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once a pillar of fire be- appeared before their eyes, separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in a language they had never learned. The, the, the part that stuck out to me was how that the fire separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were engulfed in the flame. You know, at the very beginning, the early church, they did not have just a nice little touch of what we would call, we call it fire. But I'm not sure that's really what it is. Because we have fire tunnels and all sorts of things like that. And, and I'm not condemning anything. It's It can be fun and God's, God's fun as well. But it's not fire. Because they were engulfed in the flame. They were engulfed in an ancient fire. It was so powerful that they could not bear it. It was almost like they could not anymore. They would, they would have died anymore. They would have, that's maybe why they run out of there because they could not contain anymore. And when I listen to people who were in the early Pentecostal movement, when I, and when I say the Pentecostal movement, I mean from 1906, which came out of Azusa Street. I mean, there's, there's always been Pentecost here and there. There's always been a remnant, but the Pentecostal movement, when they talk about being baptized in the spirit and baptized in the fire, they're talking about something different from what a lot of us have experienced. I think we've dumbed things down. We've dumbed the experience down until it's just a little feeling goosebumps. Like a little, maybe you'd get touched and you fall on the floor, and, and, but nothing really changes. They were so engulfed in the scripture and the fire that when they went outside, Peter stood up and preached. And it says, men... All of them actually were cut to the heart. Cut to the heart as he spoke, as he preached. Something was different. This was the Peter who ran away, was frightened, was scared, was a coward. This is the Peter who would not even admit to knowing Jesus when the, the, the young girl um, challenged him, said, we, you've been with Jesus, we've seen you. He, he cursed and swore and said, I don't know this man. He was a coward. But yet, in this day, something had changed. Something fundamentally shifted in him. Something changed in his body. Something changed in his soul. Something transformed him so that he was no longer a coward. He turned into a bold, governmental oracle where when he spoke, 3,000 people were cut to the heart. And it's something we don't have. When we preach, people are not cut to the heart. We, a lot of times people's ears will just get tickled. We have nice sermons, nice points, nice poems, a nice tune at the end to make it very emotional. And I love music, so I, I, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But yet there's something something wrong with the, the, the 
what we call the fire of God because it is not what these guys had. Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, the Holy Ghost is a great assimilation to the whole body. When he comes in, you will feel fire going through your body. You feel a burning of all inward corruption. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is essential to bring into you a divine holy fire, which burns up all dross and quickens all purity, making you ablaze for perfect love to continue. People like Smith Wigglesworth knew what the fire was. They were burning hearts. We talk about that, but we're not burning the way these guys were burning. They were on fire. When Smith Wigglesworth used to pray, I don't know where this story happened, but it's a true story. All these leaders went into the prayer room with him, and one by one they crawled out because they could not stand the level of the presence of God that was in the room when Smith Wigglesworth was there. They could not stand when he was praying. What is it these people had? I'll tell you, they had the true baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. Baptism, we, we, we use that word now, and what we do is we pray for someone, we, we maybe get them to say a little tongue, they'll speak in a little, maybe, maybe it is real tongues, I'm not saying it's not, but what happens is, we say, you've got it, you've got it, when actually they've only got a very, very small touch of God. I mean, to be baptised in the Spirit actually means to be totally immersed, engulfed in the presence of Almighty God and Yahweh himself. When Yahweh came and, and to the children of Israel with earthquakes and lightnings, people were terrified. They were utterly terrified. Yet when we get a little touch that just touches us a little bit, we say, you've got it. And we think that's all of Yahweh. We think that's being engulfed, saturated, surrounded with God, with Yahweh himself. We're not experiencing the baptism. I don't believe most, a lot of us haven't. Or we did many years ago. But what we need is a fresh engulfment, if that's the word. A fresh baptism, it's saturated. When you're engulfed, and if you were engulfed in a house fire, you would know about it. You are covered in it. It's burning up every part of you. It's burning up your whole being. And it's the same with the baptism of the Spirit. You're utterly saturated in God. You're saturated in Him. That's why people like Smith Wigglesworth could walk through a train and people began to weep. Why is that? Because he carries that presence. He is utterly saturated in it. Charles Finney can ride through a village or a city in America on a horse and not say a word. And hundreds of people at a time would fall to the ground and cry out for salvation. I'm telling you, we don't have that. We think we have it. We think, yeah, we're going into something new. We think we're going to experience the new. Absolutely, we, God will release new. He wants to release new. But until we walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and fire, we're not going into anything new because we've minimised and dumbed down what the baptism of the Spirit was. The baptism of the Spirit is engulfed in the presence of Almighty God. And the fire is not just goosebumps. The fire is actually sanctification it changes us from the inside it transforms us it burns away all inward corruption it burns away everything attachment to sin and to the enemy and to the world it burns up everything that hinders us from walking in the full stature of christ madame guyon says this what does god do then he sends before him his own wisdom as fire will be sent upon the earth to consume by its activity all the impurity that is there. Fire consumes all things and nothing resists its activity. 
It is the same with wisdom. It consumes all impurity in the creature to prepare him for divine union. To see that there's a place in God of divine union. There's the place where we come to the cross, where we're born again, Passover. And if you like, there's a second level where you go into the place of Pentecost, which we have dumbed down, but it's really the place of the flame. It's really the place of sanctification. It's really the place of the fire. It's the place where we are refined like gold. It's the place where we are made ready to be vessels for God. And many of us are trying to be vessels for God, but yet not experience the deep burnings of the flames of God, of the fire of the Holy Spirit, which prepares us for the next level which is tabernacles, which is the fullness, which is union with God. Yeah, if you theologically you could say the union's already happened when you were born again, but are you living in it? Are you experiencing it? Everything in the Word, as far as I'm concerned, it's got to be appropriated into your life. It's got to be something, it's not just the theological truth, which is true, it's got to be appropriated into your life so that we begin to walk in it. We begin to really experience what it is to go from the cross. We don't move away from the cross. We don't move away from the Passover. We always have that part of us. It's a foundation. But then you move on to Pentecost, the fire, the flame, the sanctification, which prepares us for a holy union with God himself. I don't know about you, but I don't want just a cheap version of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. I don't want just a cheap version of the gospel or the kingdom. I don't want just to say, oh, yeah, God's doing a new thing. We don't need that anymore. Listen, the minute we can walk through a train and people begin to weep, the minute we can walk, or maybe not on a horse, but even go through a city and hundreds of people are falling, dropping like dead men to the ground, the minute we can do that, then you can tell me we don't need that anymore because I've got something new. You show me the new. I don't see people walking in that level yet. I really don't. And we are talking about the new. I always talk about the young boy up in the Isle of Lewis, the Hebrides, which had a, a mighty revival in 1949 in Scotland. And the young boy, Donald McPhail, the, the actual leader of the revival, Duncan Campbell, was finding it really difficult, struggling in this certain place in the island, or one of the islands, but he saw that God was on young Donald McPhail. And he asked young Donald McPhail to pray. And you've got to remember, these places were, they were not charismatic whatsoever. They did not know anything, as far as I know, about the baptism of the Spirit or God moving or the supernatural or trances or anything like that. As soon as this young boy prayed, one half of the congregation fell backward into a trance. Others were frozen, if you like, stiff with their arms in the air that he could not move. And four miles away, four miles away, the Spirit of God moved and a whole village got saved. As this young boy, at 16 years old, prayed. And you're telling me we, uh, we've got it, we've got more than them. I tell you what, right now we don't have more than them. And we've got to be honest. We have got to go back to basics. We've got to humble ourselves and say we do not have what they had. Yes, God wants to do new things. Yes, we want to go into maturity. Yes, we want to go beyond the until of the apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers until we walk in the full stature of Christ and become the perfect man. Yes, that is all available and it's where we're going. But until we're honest and say we don't have what the saints of old had, we don't have what the Celtic saints had. I've told this story many times where there was one occasion where one of the Celtic saints 
they were getting like a an animal on the dinner plate. I don't know what animal it was, whether it was a pig or a chicken or whatever, but it was cooked, absolutely cooked in the oven. And they knew that this animal had been mistreated while it was alive. And from a cooked dinner plate, they, this Celtic saint raised the animal from the dead. Now, there's so many stories, Celtic saint stories, like St. Columba, he could summon an earthquake and the enemies of God would be swallowed up. Like, they had power and authority that we don't have. And we need to be honest and humble enough to say we don't have that. And we need the baptism of the Spirit and fire to consume us to so that we are ready for holy union, so that we can walk with God like these men and women of old. Begin to burn, begin to move in such realms of God that then we can go further, then we can move into the new, then we can walk into the perfect, then we can walk into something that no eye has seen and no ear has heard. But until we walk in at least some of what the ancients had, we cannot move forward because we're not humble, because we're dishonouring the past sometimes. Sometimes we dishonour what these guys walked in because we think, oh, that's old and we're better than that. But there's such an arrogance in that saying that sometimes because we don't even understand what they walked in. We really don't. What is it? Some, a young boy, 16 years old, gets such authority when he prays, a whole village gets saved. I mean, come on. For me, part of it is we need to experience God where we're engulfed in his presence, engulfed in the spirit, saturated, immersed. That's what baptism means. Engulfed in the fire, not a fire tunnel where you just get goosebumps and fall about and laugh. And I'm not against laughing and joy. We need that. Hear what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is there's something far greater, far more substantial, far deeper, something that actually changes the very core of your being. Like John G. Lake, he was in a cloud. He said he prayed for nine months and he was in a cloud and it changed his very nature. He was utterly changed and it was after that he could put the bubonic plague in his hand and look at it under a microscope and under the microscope you could watch the plague die. It did not just happen by him believing in faith. He had to step into this. He had to hunger for it. He had to say, I don't have it. People told him, you've got it. And he would say, I don't, until he was engulfed in a cloud. And we need to be engulfed in the cloud, engulfed in the spirit, engulfed in the fire. Amen. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this. This is Wisdom's Echo, and this is Stephen McKee.